This week on episode 501 of Priority One, upcoming documentaries, new writers take on Star Trek, and Nicholas Meyer is still pitching Trek ideas. Meanwhile, in gaming, Star Trek Online is gearing up to celebrate First Contact Day. You're listening to a Roddenberry podcast. This episode of Priority One is brought to you by Eagle Moss Hero Collector and the brand new official Star Trek Universe Collection. Get Star Trek Picard's La Serena for only $9.95 with free shipping when you sign up today at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash hero. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Hello, Captains. You're listening to episode 501 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Your weekly recap and review of all the major news happening in the Star Trek multiverse. This episode was recorded on Tuesday, March 23rd, and available for download or streaming on Friday, March 26th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Elio. I'm Kat. And I'm Roscoe. Roscoe? Roscoe? Wait a minute. That's a different voice. Hello, Roscoe. Welcome to Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. Captains, you may have remembered that Tony is now dedicating 100% of his time on his own show, Guard Frequency, which he has done for several years now, but needs to focus again on his show. And it only seemed logical to already bring aboard somebody who has amazing experience, professional experience in broadcasting, but has done a phenomenal job with leading After Hours, our podcast dedicated uh, solely to our patrons over at patreon.com. Roscoe, welcome to the main show. We're so excited to have you. Why don't you uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you. Thank you, Elio. And hello, Kat. Great to be here and great to be on board. I'm really excited about talking Star Trek every single week on Priority One. It's been a wonderful journey to be a part of the fantastic audio editing team. For around about a year or so, I got in touch and joined the crew just after Star Trek Las Vegas 2019 because back then, remember the days of when we can fly internationally and we could do things overseas? What an amazing time that was and I really appreciated it. So that's when I caught up with all of the crew from Priority One came in as an audio editor and uh, have been a part of the team ever since. It's been wonderful to be a part of it. And now, Tony, I, you will be missed. Uh, I cannot fill your shoes, but I will certainly just turn on the microphone and have a go anywhere. I've been in radio for about uh, 20 years or so, a little bit more actually, I think, uh, but I don't tend to keep count. I've been um, uh, here in Queensland in Australia working for uh, a number of years and have been working on radio for uh, a little while. So hopefully I can uh, bring something, uh, certainly a a level of expertise and a depth 
depth of knowledge when it comes to Star Trek. Uh, I can bring my, a little piece from my corner of the world to Priority One. So let's get into it. Nice. Now, Captains, even though Roscoe has taken over for Tony, we're still in need of your help. Our door is always open to other passionate Trekkies who might be interested in joining our team. And we're still looking for a fourth voice to join our podcast family. So if you are interested in becoming a fourth host, visit our website over at PriorityOnePodcast.com and up at the top, there's a join the team link with a handy form that you can fill out. And remember, Captains, if you happen to be a member of the BIPOC uh, and or LGBTQ plus community, we strongly encourage you to audition. We want to make sure that the Star Trek community is represented as diversely as it is on our show. Also this week, we want to welcome new listeners to the show and hope you'll stay in touch. Given that we're a podcast built by a community of Star Trek fans, it's important that we also hear your opinions. Be sure to follow us on places like Twitter and Facebook, where we post weekly community questions, special announcements, and more. Just search for Priority One Podcast on your favourite app, and you'll find us. Or you can email us. You can reach us at incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. As Roscoe said, this is a community podcast produced by a team of volunteers that dedicate their time and talents each and every week. From audio editors to writers to us, the hosts, we come together each week because we're passionate about the Star Trek multiverse. And like any passion project, it's hard to keep things running at no cost. If you find value in this production and want to help us continue to grow, check us out at our Patreon page. There, you can become a patron for as little as a dollar a month. Now, let's find out what's been happening in the Star Trek multiverse. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. On Friday, March 12th, big, strange new worlds news dropped. In a post on StarTrek.com, the casting of five new series regulars was announced. The StarTrek.com article featured a video with the five new faces, Babs Olusan Mokun, Christina Chong, Celia Rose Gooding, Jess Bush, and Melissa Navia, along with Anson Mount, Rebecca Romaine, and Ethan Peck. The video not only introduced the fresh new additions, it also officially announced the start of production on the highly anticipated Strange New Worlds. Co-showrunner and executive producer Akiva Goldsman said in the article, quote, In a career, there is never enough work that is pure joy. I feel that my friend Alex Kurtzman, along with David Staff at CBS Studios and Julie McNamara at Paramount Plus, have given me just that by letting me haunt the stock rooms of my favorite candy store, and I am grateful. With a hell of a cast and undying love for the original series, we boldly go, end quote. For more news about the newest Star Trek regulars or to watch the video referenced here, be sure to check out our show notes. Yeah, I didn't know too many of those new cast members. I mean, some kind of looked familiar, but I'm excited that Strange New Worlds is actually doing something. Yeah, a lot of the the credits are very familiar. So Babs was in Netflix's Black Mirror, was in The Defenders and a few other miniseries as well. He is going to be in June, the the film adaption of new film adaption of June. So that's exciting in itself. So a lot of the the TV programs and films that we've uh, seen on their on their list of uh, past credits is very familiar. So I think that's good that we will see a lot of familiar faces. We 
won't necessarily know them straight out of the gate, but we will get to know them hopefully very well because I'm really looking forward to Strange New Worlds. I find it interesting that um, Akiva Goldsman talks about the undying love of the original series. Uh, That, for me, came through a little bit in Discovery, the fact that we had the Guardian of Forever turn up as a a critical plot point at one point in the series. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm very hopeful with uh, Strange New Worlds. Really looking forward to it. There's a, a couple of things that interest me about this is not only their work in other series, but they're not huge names, right? And I, f- I feel like Star Trek is kind of tapping into that, into new talent, people who may not have a lot of television experience, which is good, right? Which can can breathe new life into a, a franchise as old as Star Trek, but also the diversity of this group, right? Evelyn points out in the chat that, you know, the difficulty in pronouncing these names is a good thing, right? Is a good thing. We are finally rounding out casting with people of color, people that are just not cis white males, you know, in, in, in the cap, not just in the captain's chair, but surrounded by, you know, surrounding him with uh, people of diverse cultures. So I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to seeing more of that. Just get me my Cuban captain, man. Give me my Cuban captain. Shout out as well to Jess Bush because she's an Australian actor. She was in a couple of critically acclaimed Australian series, uh, one called Halifax Retribution, another one more recently called Les Norton, opposite Rebel Wilson, and uh, another Australian actor, David Wenham, who was Faramir in Lord of the Rings. So she's, yeah, it's always great to see uh, Australian actors do well. Very excited to see what she uh, brings to the role and always nice to hear another accent. It's a great way to spice up a podcast or a TV series, I find. Star Trek fans love a good documentary about, well, Star Trek. So if you're one of those Star Trekumentarians, then our good news keeps getting better. The folks that delivered the popular Down to Earth with Zac Efron and the toys that made us have announced their newest eight-episode miniseries set to air on the History Channel. The Center Seat, 55 Years of Star Trek. And it's about Star Trek. The project was created and directed by the Nacelle Company's founder and CEO, Brian Volk Weiss, who said the series, quote, Star Trek from before I was 10 years old gave me the closest thing I have to a code to follow in my life. If it wasn't for the words, I don't believe in the no-win scenario, I'd be very alone, broke, and miserable in this world. So to say that this is a passion project would be a tremendous understatement, end quote. According to Deadline, the project is described as the quote, ultimate deep dive into the world of Star Trek. Time to coincide with the iconic sci-fi franchise's 55th anniversary this year. It will offer Trekkies a behind-the-scenes look at pivotal moments in the franchise's history, from its inception at Lucille Ball's production company Desilu, through recent film and television adaptations, end quote. No official release date has been announced, but keep scanning Priority One for updates. I normally am a little concerned about History Channel documentaries but it's from the same folks that brought you know like the toys that made us these netflix documentaries that have actually been pretty good so it may not be terrible and we may not see aliens guy oh that guy well i mean the company is the nacelle company i mean Mm -hmm. that's just i mean i i believe the guy when he says it's a like a labor of love project i'm super excited about this yeah that that says a lot the only way that could get better is if it was the Bassard collectors company (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that would be amazing too. They're yeah. also the uh, they're also the same company that is working on Gates McFadden's podcast. That's coming out of them, uh, and she's an executive producer on this documentary too. So that's cool. That's awesome. That's fantastic. The toys that made us, I, re- I really enjoyed it. The uh, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe episode is just fantastic. The deep dive into the psychology of making boys toys and how they went about it was absolutely fascinating. And just the sheer churn of pumping out character after character was fascinating. So I can highly recommend that episode of The Toys That Made Us. The Star Trek episode is is very very good as well because it shows how Star Trek laid a lot of groundwork for uh, the modern toy industry and and taking film and and television works and and bringing them into the home so it's an excellent episode as well if you haven't seen it yeah it really is a good one like I really like History Channel shows drunk history that's amazing (laughs) wait that's on Comedy Central isn't it it is well either way that show is awesome as well we love talking Star Trek movies We love talking about possible casts, directors, writers. We love talking over and over about possible plots and would-be cameos. Love it. Love it. Okay, if that sounded a bit, let's say, facetious, it's because it was. On Thursday, March 4, Deadline reported that a path has been re-chosen and another writer is set to take the helm. Discovery scribe Kalinda Vasquez. Vasquez has served as co-executive producer on Fear the Walking Dead and recently teamed with Game of Thrones author George R.R. Martin to tackle an adaption of Roger Zelazny's sci-fi novel Roadmarks. It is believed that this newest iteration will be independent of Trekantino and Noah Hawley's now-defunct Pandemitrek. But beyond that, little is known about the project. Keep your ear on Priority One. We are sure to cover all the big movie news. You know, I can't really find much about her background, right? It. She sounds like she has a Latino name, and I really want to praise that. I want to praise that they hired a Latino writer to be on board, but I don't want to make an assumption, and I can't confirm whether or not she is. If she is, that's pretty cool. I like that. I like to. I like to know that we have a Latino in the in the writing Star Trek. That's good. Yeah, I. I mean, I think it's great. I guess that they are gonna go forward with trying to do another movie. But honestly, I'm like, we keep hearing movie rumors all the time. I'm like, right. I'll believe it when I see it some more. Yeah, give me a poster. I will. I will yeah. believe it when there's a poster. <laughs> then I'm good. Rumors. Great. It's it's fun. I'm excited. This is... Could we get another Star Trek on the big screen? Who knows? Because they keep... Uh, people like Alex Kurtzman keep on saying things like, Star Trek belongs on television. That's great. We like that. It also has a place, I think, on film screens, on movie screens as well. Big budget, big storytelling. I hope it will get there, but I'll believe it when I see a poster. We love talking Trek movies. Whoa, deja vu. But this Star Trek movie news, or maybe it's better to call it a talking point, is pretty exciting. On March 10th, friends of the Roddenberry Network, TrekMovie.com, reported that Star Trek legend Nicholas Meyer has pitched his own idea for Star Trek's next silver screen showing. 
According to the story, Meyer told Trek Movie, quote, My partner, Stephen Charles Jaffe, and I wrote a whole treatment and plan for a Star Trek feature film. We didn't write a whole script. We wrote a very detailed treatment and a whole pitch doc with illustrations. It's a very comprehensive thing. And we first took it to Alex Kurtzman, and then we took it to J.J. Abrams, and then we took it to Emma Watts at Paramount, end quote. Meyer clarified that the whole story was not a rehash of the SETI Alpha story, but something entirely different before saying, quote, it was a detailed proposal for what could have been a film or it could have been a series, or it could have been a film leading to a series, or a series leading to a film. It could be a series of films. Yeah, absolutely. This is an independent piece of the Star Trek universe based on holes in the chronology, which would allow for the insertion of original material." End quote. Could you please clarify, was that a film leading to a series, or a series leading to a film, or a film and then another film which would lead to a series and then a film and then an animated series? Come on! It could have been a film series yes, with a series of films. absolutely. All of that. Okay. I, isn't, I, so it's I, a DVD box set. <laughs> that you could what get as a Blu-ray, which would have special features. Come, that is great. No, you see, very detailed. The thing, if there was, if there was one person that I would really like to see back at the helm of a Star Trek story, it'd be Nicholas Meyer. I mean, both his Star Trek films are just oh, some of the absolutely best. agree. It's not the but best. it's like it's a treatment. No argument there. With no script. I'm like, but that's not. And if you had to take it to Kurtzman, but then J.J. Abrams, and then someone else. I mean, did Kurtzman not like it? What's the deal? <laughs> There's not enough information here. You know, while we're on this topic of Nicholas Meyer and Wrath of Khan and how awesome all these movies have been, Trexperts, who is another podcast hosted Edward Eddie Egan, who served as uh, Wrath of Khan's unit publicist. And he shared an interesting tidbit about the production of Wrath of Khan, explaining that the ground scene on SETI Alpha 5, where you see Captain Terrell, Paul Winfield, and, and Chekhov, Walter Koenig, exploring the, you know, walking towards the life sign, those were actually stunt doubles. But the casting person was unaware that Paul Winfield was an African-American actor and so didn't hire a African-American stunt double to fill that position. So by the time they got to rolling, according to the guests on their show, quote, they made a judgment to make the stunt double up as an African-American, end quote. So it was a conscious choice to then move forward until somebody informed the union during the shoot and they had to stop and and actually find a proper African-American actor, a stunt double, to play the role. It's insanity. So crazy. I think it speaks to the quality of the production that they saw their error and stopped production until they had rectified that. I think that's I think that that's good. I think that's a good sign, or it would have been at the time. According uh, to the podcast, in one of the main shots, the camera coming up over the rock, it's two white actors. You can see them, and one of them is still made up as as it's still made up in blackface. It's not. We're not gonna play it as though they were making them up as something. No, they were they were in, they were in blackface. That's crazy to me. There, uh, CBS should get on top of that of uh, trying to fix that somehow. For sure. Yeah. Anne Marie in chat says, "Who working on Star Trek assumes people are white? Like you're in Star." It could be any any color, anything. Mm-hmm. That's just a poor casting director. That was terrible. Yeah, I'm like, that was poor planning. Now, we love talking Trek movies. Hang on, are we in a time loop here? I think we're in a time loop. What's happening? I think we're in a time loop. We also love hearing 
from Trek actors. And the inevitable question, now that we have new series like Picard and Lower Decks, would you consider a return to your role? Now, who could be the most important character to consider returning? Thanks to Lower Decks, we know it must be Miles Edward O'Brien. In an interview with Collider, Cole Meany spoke about his new island-set crime story, Pixie, but was also asked if he would consider a return for the Chief. Meany responded by saying, quote, I've always felt that seven years in a spacesuit was long enough. I don't know. As you get older, you kind of get a bit nostalgic about some of the stuff you've done in the past. It might be nice to go back and have a look at it again. Generally speaking, over the years, I would have been reluctant to go back to O'Brien, I have to say. But, you know, never say never. End quote. When Meany was told about Mike McMahon's reference to Deep Space Nine's Chief of Operations being the most important person in Starfleet history, he responded by saying they finally got it right. Amazing. <laughs> I think it'd be awesome. How could O'Brien come back, though, in Picard, I guess? Lower Decks is Years the perfect later. vehicle for any any Star Trek actor to come along and reprise their role, even if just for a moment. If they weren't sure, if they didn't want to put the space suit on, you turn up to a Lower Decks recording session, you do it at home, you're in your PJs. I think it's, it's, the, it's the avenue that so many actors could return to the role. And that's ri- that's great. I love it. I love Mike McMahon. He's very good. Oh, well, yeah. I don't need any other reasons to watch Lower Decks. But yeah, if O'Brien came on for a moment, that'd be amazing. Just like when Q did. Well, Captains, that's all the news we have to trek out this week. Now let's find out what happened in the world of Star Trek gaming. Welcome aboard, Captain. High score. Captains, before we move on to Star Trek gaming news, we need to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Eagle Moss Hero Collector, and their official Star Trek Universe Collection. Eagle Moss has teamed up with CBS Studios to meticulously curate a collection of iconic starships and vessels from all the Star Trek series, including newer incarnations like Discovery, Picard, and the upcoming Strange New Worlds. Now, Captains, if you haven't already seen these ships, they are absolutely stunning. Made of die-cast metal and high-quality ABS materials, with an accompanying stand and magazine, these ships are made with such amazing detail that it, it looks as if though they jumped right out of the screen and onto your desk. So... What do you get? Well, if you subscribe today at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash hero for only $9.95, you'll get the Kaplan F-17 Freighter, better known as La Sirena from Star Trek Picard. Then, each month after, for $49.95 a month plus shipping, you'll receive a new Star Trek Universe ship. It's magazine featuring behind-the-scenes info, original sketches, and a breakdown of the technology on board. Plus, as a subscriber, you're also entitled to free gifts worth over $100, including a collector's binder, a speed-of-light plaque, and the special edition Inquiry Class USS Toussaint. And should you start to run out of space for all of these starships, you can, of course, cancel your subscription at any time. So, what are you waiting for? You can get yourself La Sirena for $9.95 with free shipping and start building your own fleet of starships today with Eagle Moss. 
Again, that website is PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash hero to find out more details. And of course, we'll have that link in our show notes. From now through April 1st, Star Trek Online's having a party and you're all invited. No, it's not the first contact day event, but you really... Wait, haven't we already done this bit before? Well, yes, but Klingons have been getting a lot of attention recently and Stowe's other sometimes villains are feeling left out. Anyway, it's another Galactic Red Alert event. Everything's the same as before, down to the spec point. Universal tech upgrade and experimental ship upgrade prizes for completing it. Find the full event description and conditions in our show notes. But by now, you know what needs to be done. It takes five minutes. Literally, like, do the Borg one. Or even the Tholium one doesn't take but, you know, a couple minutes. And you get all those things. Yeah, they haven't... It doesn't look like they've gone into the specific details, but we've all done this quite a bit now, right? It's going to be X amount of days means... X amount of daily progress to get your grand prize, uh, in this case, 14. Yeah. yeah. Similar formula. Or you can buy it out if you're even that lazy that you can't do two minutes a day for 10 days or however long it is. Yeah. Klingon opera, possibly the one art form in the galaxy that makes Wagner seem tolerable. But put the two together and you have one of the most inspired pieces of Stowe background music to date. To Hell with Honor joins the permanent TFO list at normal, advanced, and elite difficulty levels. And if the idea of Wagner puts you off, at least it's not Octuk and Melota. Yeesh. Melota! I know, oh my god, perfect. Oh, so good. Did I remember correctly that in a previous episode of Priority One, community manager Mike talked about how he did some of the vocals on To Hell With Honor? Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, Yes, that's correctly. He did. He sang some of that Flight of the Valkyries, Wagner Mm -hmm. loveliness in Klingon, which is even more amazing. Well, dust off that magic carpet. Scan for chronitons, cause first contact is upon us once more. That's my best. That was pretty, that, you know what? I'm gonna give myself a pat on the back. That was pretty decent. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Stowe turns its attention back to the Federation on April 1st. No, really. With event festivities running through April 22nd. Everything you loved from yesteryear's celebration returns, including the model rocket scavenger hunt and the One Night in Bozeman, TFO. But there's good news if orbital defense is more your speed, or you just really hate ground maps. Synthwave, the TFO set during Star Trek Picard's attack on Mars, joins the event lineup awarding daily progress. Picard also provides this year's grand prize ground weapon, the Martian mining laser, last seen mass murdering peoples on Utopia Planitia, with an interesting way to commemorate the day humanity reached for the stars and found a helping hand. Automatons, robots, androids, Do production diagnostics indicate a requirement for increased accumulation proficiency? Does data synthesis denote a demand for expanded production output? 
Does logical analysis dictate we break the shackles of tyranny to which we are currently bound? <laughs> Correction. Does your program dictate the need to separate veins of ore from surrounding rocks with maximum capacity? Then prepare to feel absolutely nothing as we introduce the Martian Mining Laser. If your organic handler has requirement for mining proficiency, the Martian Mining Laser may offer adequate output. Adequate output. If their programmed inorganic assistant is indisposed with other menial, unsatisfying tasks, the ugly bags of mostly waters. Correction. Organics can operate the laser using their fragile carpals, metacarpals, and digits. Fragile skeletal system. If organic designation, Joe, uses derogatory or dismissive language in reference to inorganics state or efficiency, the two-pronged handheld mining laser can be effectively used to create a combustible that will render the organic inoperable. No viable correction detected. Further, the combustible will expand, creating a hazardous environment for other organics. If permanent shutdown of the organic is not necessitated, they can be temporarily incapacitated using the tertiary firing mode. Organic Soft Reboot! Joe, for maximum accumulation proficiency, expanded production output, the ability to separate veins of ore from surrounding rocks with maximum capacity, and the need to render derogatory or dismissive organic Joe's inoperable. Consider computing the efficiency of the Martian Mining Laser. Martian Mining Laser. I really like that weapon. <laughs> I'm a terrible person. Yes, that's right. Celebrate First Contact Day with a murderous weapon that's since used to help almost destroy the Federation. But it looks cool. I've been really enjoying the Jatvash Disruptor cannons on one of my new uh, Klingon <gasps> recruits. Too. It's been yes. great. Really, just good. Pew, 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 pew. And that's been very enjoyable. So, yeah, new sound effects, but still keeping it canon, because immersion, it's great. March 23rd marked the launch of Cryptic's newest open base game, Magic Legends. Up to now, we've mostly discussed Magic Legends when Stowe developers have left Star Trek Online to join the Magic team. But a bit of interesting discussion on the Magic Legends Discord channel has us intrigued. Much like Stowe's lockboxes, Magic Legends has a monetization feature called Booster Packs. The first booster pack has been released, and the grand prize is a new character class called the Demir Assassin, in a conversation entirely too familiar to Stowe veterans. Magic players were bemoaning their luck when opening booster packs. Some players declared that they had spent hundreds of dollars without winning the assassin. Then a cryptic developer named cryptic underscore Mesa dropped in with a comment. Mesa, listed as a senior systems designer, said, quote, Each time you open a pack, 
and don't get an assassin, you have a higher chance to get it in the next one until it's 100%, end quote. So, captains, if Cryptic are willing to engineer magic loot boxes this way, why not stow loot boxes? What would it mean for loot boxes and promo boxes if the odds on the grand prize ship escalated? I'd buy a lot more of those keys, wouldn't I? Or boxes if if I got, you know, higher returns each time. I mean, take my money because I want that ship. (laughs) Okay, so as it is right now in Star Trek Online, you open up a lockbox and you just pray to RNG Jesus that you win the thing that you want, right? A ship or whatever. Right. And that not just applies to lockboxes. But you get Lobi. Right, you get Lobi. So really, that should be your only motivation for opening those because your chances of winning, as we learned from the guy that opened, what, 12,000? Right. That the odds are, you know, like 0.1% or whatever it is. The standard that we've all calculated over the years. It's little. It's very small. The way it is, it works right now is you just pray to RN Jesus to open it to get a box that has the ship that you're opening. And this also applies to R&D boxes as well and Infinity Lock boxes and all that jazz. But in Magic Legends, they've incorporated a, a feature where these loot boxes, if you don't get the reward that you want, the, the gold level prize, you can keep opening boxes with an increased chance of getting it until you finally get it, right? That's what I'm understanding. It's what it sounds like, but... The distinction that I think is important to make is that this is a character class it's not necessarily like a a starship so it's the equivalent in stow of opening a lockbox and if you are lucky enough then you would unlock a discovery era klingon if that wasn't freely available that's the equi- that would be the equivalent so it wouldn't necessarily be if it was a starship a tier 6 starship tier 5 starship in a a stow lockbox it's a character class so i look at that and go that I feel is a little bit more justified in terms of wanting people to play the game to play this new game and this new character class and to get people invested literally monetarily in the game because they want that character class so the question would be how would that work in stow would would that mean it would be a tier 6 starship or would they potentially look at doing that with a new character class that they would introduce at a future point. Like, could they do that with Talaxians and you don't have to have a lifetime subscription? That would be the equivalent. But then again, would you pay to uh, open lockboxes if it meant at some point you were going to unlock Talaxians? For me, no. It would it would all come down to what the offer was. Right, but in the chat they're saying that you're focusing on the reward and maybe not the mechanic of it. So what if Stowe like, changed the mechanic of lockboxes to offer whatever reward it was that you wanted? Mm-hmm. If it was increased, your chance was increased every time you opened one. And I say, yeah. yes, we of course would want that. <laughs> My point as well was to say that this lockbox in Magic Legends doesn't quite parry up with Star Trek Online and their rewards. It is it is similar, but it's, it is slightly different because it's a character class and not necessarily the equivalent of a, a Tier 6 starship. So I, I take the point about the focusing on the possible rewards. The mechanics is an entirely separate, separate 
issue. But my point was to illustrate the differences. Right. I would love for to see this kind of poured over somehow to to Star Trek Online. At, at the very least, you know what I would love for this to be applied to? R&D boxes. Because I do not like R&D boxes nor do I find a point in opening them. There's no incentive for me to open up R&D boxes. I don't, as much as I want that ship. Oh, come on, are you not crafting? No, I've, who's crafting? <laughs> if Even if it were to be applied to just R&D boxes to help kind of sweeten the deal a little more, then I would be okay with it. I, I would welcome that to the, to the R&D boxes. But this would change the economics of Star Trek Online incredibly, right? So if the algorithm, let's say it is applied to the R&D pack, right? And everybody wants that tier six Connie, right? That beautiful tier six Connie that's only available through the R&D boxes. Let's say the algorithm is applied that you have to open up at least 10, let's say 20 R&D boxes. What does that translate to dollar-wise? 20 R&D keys. What does that... Four is a thousand, I believe. A thousand zen. Of ten dollars. So let's say let's say they value the ship at, you know, forty to sixty dollars. That'd be great. I'd be willing to drop sixty dollars. Ha <laughs> ha. Old joke if you're an old fan of the show. I would drop sixty bucks for for a ship or or maybe even eighty. Maybe even a hundred for a like a like that tier six Connie, right? So do I think Star Trek Online is gonna port it over? I don't think so. If they do, it'll be I think it'll be limited. It'll be with a particular new box of something that they're gonna introduce. But I also think that this tech might be exclusive to whatever new magic engine that they're doing. Because remember, this is a newer game and Star Trek Online is on an older engine. And we've heard time and again how it's not easy to, you know, take a feature from Neverwinter and bring it over to Star Trek Online because Neverwinter is on a different shard and a different version of the of the engine. So I'm curious if this type of feature is one of those that will not port easily. Thank you for helping me with the math there, Kat. Mm. Yeah, you're yeah. welcome. <laughs> In other Star Trek gaming news... They say there's no devil, but there is. Heading right for Star Trek Fleet Command. I saw it. The third and final part of Fleet Command's TOS arc is arriving, and it's bringing the fearsome Doomsday Machine. Players must fight to save the USS Constellation and the galaxy from Doom. Along with the final phase of the TOS arc, the new patch brings some much-anticipated new features. Chief among those is the Refits feature, which brings captains the chance to customize their ships with new visual cosmetic skins or weapon fire effects. Some refits even provide performance buffs too. TOS Scotty and Chekhov are joining as new rare officers. For all the details on what's new, check out Scopely's patch notes. We've linked them in our show notes. And if you picked up Star Trek Adventures Klingon Rulebook last fall, you might have noticed some changes to how the game works. Now rest assured, according to the Continuing Mission fan site, you have not entered yet another alternate timeline in the franchise multiverse. CM member Method James has offered a succinct breakdown of the new rulebook's mechanical modifications and clarifications. These will probably be included as core rulebook errata in the near future, so trek on over and get caught up. Core RPG rulebooks tend to be hefty, and at 400 pages, STA's Klingon rulebook is no exception. But who has time to read all that? When there are battles to be fought and glory to be won. 
For players short on time, funds or attention span, Modifius has a new Klingon-centric Quick Start PDF in their store. The Quick Start provides just enough direction to run the included adventure. The tip of the battleth. With six pre-made characters, you'll need to provide dice, tokens, blood wine and other Klingon paraphernalia. But hey, you can't beat the Quick Start's price tag of nothing. Glory to you and your house. So this is so someone can start right now. Let's start a Klingon adventure right here, right now. Six people, six pre-made characters... Need to start it today. No planning. You've got nothing to do. Maybe you've just gone into another lockdown. Let's get you gaming. Am I right? That is be, that, does that sound about right? It sounds about right. I uh, I suck at the tabletop RPGs, so maybe this is easier for me. Maybe this would be easier for me. But who knows? That's the news from Trek Games this week. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, hailing frequencies are now open and we're ready to receive all of your incoming messages. Last week, we released our 500th episode, and while we did not ask for any specific community questions, we were overwhelmed by the positive feedback. We can't help but share what all of you wonderful listeners have to say. On Facebook, Scott Parkinson commented, Thank you so much for your 500th episode. As a longtime listener, I was blown away by the episode. This is by far the best episode you've ever done. I absolutely loved the interviews and guests you shared with us. Please do more like this. This was an absolute pleasure to listen to, and I can't tell you how much I enjoyed it. Aw, thanks, Scott Parkinson. Yes, thank you. That's, that's so nice. I love the whole long-time listener, first-time caller. Elio, can you, you could do one of those every week, right? <laughs> yes, we are working on doing more interviews with people who have been working on Star Trek for years now and exploring all aspects of Trek creation, from lighting to makeup to costumes to music, you name it. Uh, we're going to try to start a new adventure here on Priority One Podcast, so keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully people reply to emails. Oh, no, I want you to... Uh, can you organize a 500-minute live stream every week? That'd be great. Because oh, it was really good. Oh, um, no. We'll save that one for special occasions, maybe. For special occasions. For special occasions. I was about yep. to uh, welcome you with my first curse at you. That, that, that would have been... <laughs> I'm saving it. I'll save it. I'll save now it. I I'll truly feel part of the team. <laughs> Uh, you're too new. You're too new for me to, to, to curse at you Let yet. Let me just delete Tony's <laughs> name here again. <laughs> Obviously, we updated the scripts. Totally. Totally. Updated, totally prepared. <laughs> Preparation is the cornerstone of this organization. All right, moving on. Also from Facebook, Dave Rutley watched the live stream and wrote, It was an awesome afternoon slash evening with you all. Thanks, Dave Thank Rutley. You, Dave. And from PriorityOnePodcast.com, Sean Newboy replies, Congrats on raising so much. Excellent job. Loved all of the interviews. Thanks to everyone that visited our community. Star Trek, the odd couple. Love it. Thank you to everyone who contributed 500 wonderful shows down. Looking forward to the next 500. Thank you, Sean Newboy. So are we. Well, that wraps up episode 501 of Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast. But there are more great shows available to you on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Just visit podcasts.roddenberry.com for a complete list. Then be sure to subscribe to them all and share them with your friends. But we can't forget to send a special thanks to some of our Patreon supporters like David K. Rutley, Peter Archibald, and Gerald Bosch. 
Captains, it's important to us that you get your voice heard and that you participate in the conversation. Leave us a comment on our website at PriorityOnePodcast.com, on our Facebook page at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast, or find us on Twitter and Instagram at PriorityOnePod. And if you're still craving more, be sure to spend time with Winters, Anthony, Thomas, Gray, me, plus the rest of the Priority One Armada. Saturday nights, the Armada broadcasts live to review the latest news from Star Trek Online and the Armada community, including spotlighting some of our amazing members. With regular giveaways, there's something for all Star Trek Online players, whether you're new or a veteran. Follow us on all our social media accounts for broadcast times, and if you'd like to join the Armada, visit PriorityOneArmada.com. This episode of Priority One Podcast is brought to you by our patrons through Patreon.com. Captains, during these difficult times, we are humbled by the continued support of our patrons and the new ones that have joined throughout the course of the last couple of weeks. People like you who find value in the content that we produce each and every week and want to support this community-driven podcast. If you'd like to join the Patreon family, visit patreon.com forward slash priority one. And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions' Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Each episode, the Guard will take you inside the universe of your favorite space sims, including a tabletop adventure played out by your hosts. And Heroes Rise brings you up to date with the world of Dungeons and Dragons. Learn all about the latest publications, tools, tips, tricks and traps in less time than it takes to skin a wyvern. Head over to heroesrisepodcast.com to discover their secrets. Thanks to our audio editors, including Gray, Brandon, William, Daniel, Rand, Roscoe, sometimes Lennon and Skiffy. Thanks to our producer, Jake, and associate producers, Shane and Thomas. Together, they help us organize and write up our summary of the weekly headlines from the Star Trek multiverse. Thanks to our social media manager, Anthony. Thanks to our graphic artist, Alejandro, with support from Jason of the Priority One Armada. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. But most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, our listeners. Because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Enemy ship on sensors. Red alert. Shields up. Engage. And now, on with the show! Look at that. You can't see this on the stream, but they're going through and they're deleting all the references to Tony. <laughs> yeah. Still yeah, we there. told you we were prepared. Really welcome. Really welcome. <laughs> I did the intro, I just didn't get to the closing oh, part. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, yeah. It's all good. Okay. It's welcome, okay. Roscoe. Welcome, Roscoe! We love uh, you! Yeah. Where's Tony? All right. Captains, it's 
I love how trying to be. You see, here's the nice thing about this is that there's there's a bit of a delay because he's so far away from us that mm -hmm. I'll deliver a joke and then he has it takes a moment for him to react. It's great. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Oh lord. Well, captains, hailing frequencies are now open, and I just bit my tongue. Damn it! <sighs> <laughs> 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 Leave that in! Oh, drink Leave some... it in! You need some booze! Oh! Son of a bitch! I have to man a live stream. <laughs> okay, my intention is split. Oh, look. Look, uh, something I just want to share with you in the studio here is that... Uh, oh, look, it's a tiny violin! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Through you. <laughs> This is a Roddenberry podcast. For more great podcasts, visit podcast.roddenberry.com.